The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. Delighted to be back with you again for yet another week. And uh, this is episode 115 now since this uh, show started. And today we're going to talk about um, about winning and about uh, how winners never quit and and, uh, or qu- and quitters never win with Mark Colburn, who is has an MBE. He's a world and Paralympic cycling champion. So I'm delighted to introduce Mark very shortly. But firstly, thanks very much to Deborah Swallow, who was on the show last week. And Deborah was talking about uh, about cultural intelligence, and she shared some really great thoughts on how you can become more culturally intelligent, more culturally aware as an individual or business when you're doing work internationally. And it made loads of sense. And I think one of the things I took away was about you know, researching before you go to different countries, making sure you understand the way they do things, but also thinking about actually is there some research you need to do when you're dealing with people internationally from your desk to avoid misunderstandings occurring because um, it, that can have a very negative impact on relationships and business if you don't get it right. So have you ever felt like giving up? You know, sometimes in business, days can be tough. Sometimes with families. This morning, I'm getting myself, my two children out to school, uh, it seemed uh, pretty tough. But, you know, nothing in comparison to um, losing your health, or I guess, you know, worst case scenario, it could be losing all the members of your family. But, but really... You know, things will be very tough when you lose your health. This subject really crossed my mind again yesterday as I had a hospital scan. I had a few little lumps under my skin, which could have been something sinister, but actually turned out to be harmless. And I felt really humbled, um, particularly as I have recently um, have a, a new friend, a friend of mine, 19-year-old Steve Sutton, who I'll introduce you to the, in the show on April as Steve is bravely battling with a terminal illness while inspiring thousands of people around the world with his speeches about using your time well. So more about Steve Sutton soon. Um, however, you know, it does seem that when people are dealing with illness um, and injury, like Steve and like Mark, overcoming this tragedy and these challenges often develop really strong mindsets and sometimes it seems that the very best in the character of people in these situations is displayed. Time becomes more valued and lessons are learned that we can take back into a life that really help others. Mark Colburn, MBE, is an incredible example of this. He's a world and Paralympic champion and an international speaker. Mark is from Wales. He became 
Great Britain's newest gold medal Paralympian cyclist in 2012, winning a gold and two silver medals. He was later awarded with an MBE from His Royal Highness Prince Charles in the 2013 New Year's Honours List. If you're, if you're British, you'll know that's a really significant uh, endorsement of uh, your contribution. Having broken his back in a near-fatal paragliding accident in 2009, he was left with lower leg paralysis and dropped foot in both feet. He fought for 12 months to walk again with walking aids and went through what he describes as Helen back to reach his first Olympic Games. His first silver medal was in the one-kilometre individual time trial. The next day, he broke the three-kilometres individual pursuit world record twice, initially by seven seconds in the morning and then four hours later by 0.2 seconds to win gold. Entering the 10-mile individual road time trial, five days, days later, he won silver. Mark shares this incredible story and, and the key life and business lessons with, that he's learned with companies and individuals as a speaker. And he's also uh, recently become the ambassador to the Olympic Park Velodrome. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome to the show Mark Colburn. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm very good, sir. How are you? Are you okay? I'm fantastic, thank you. And, and uh, I, I believe you're talking to us from, um, you, you live in Wales, is that correct? That's right, yes. I live very near the capital of, uh, of Wales, which is Cardiff, and I'm very lucky to be living alongside probably the nicest coastline in the UK, even though you know, I may say that as a, a born and bred Welshman, but it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to be living, especially this time of year. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful area down there, and you've got Pembrokeshire a little bit further along, which is gorgeous as well, particularly if you can um, go there when it's dry. Yes, which isn't very often, but it's, it is a nice place, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Mark, do you want to start by telling us a bit about your life before your injury and then you know, explain what happened and your battle to recover? Yes, very much so. Um, well, I was born in 1969, so I was, um, I was very lucky to grow up in the 1970s and 1980s when life was completely different to the life that we now know today. And, and my childhood was a great childhood. You know, I had fantastic parents, um, no brothers or sisters, I'm, I, may, uh, I may add, but a great support network of close friends and family around me. And, and I guess it was a great time. It was a great time growing up and, and obviously, the, you know, the, the whole uh, ethos around life in South Wales was, you know, you had to work for everything that, that you ever had. Um, we certainly weren't handed anything on a plate and uh, and I think that gave me the characteristics as a as a young child to almost be brave in life because my dad always taught me from a very young age that you know the 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 ethos of life is that you know life is just one short holiday so you have to enjoy life while you know while we're actually here and I guess <clears throat> I guess for me growing up uh, the one thing that was a great passion of mine which was sport even though I truly enjoyed school and the experience of learning and meeting friends, you know, who are still alongside me to today almost, was that the passion that I had through, you know, through my veins was uh, was sport. And that was one thing that I was very good at, which, you know, sort of helped me later on in life. And then I got married uh, at the age of 21 and I uh, spent, you know, 12 wonderful years. And then unfortunately, my uh, ex-wife and I decided to part company. And uh, obviously, we're still very close friends because we have a, a daughter between us whose name is Jessica. 
who's actually 20 on Sunday, funny enough. And, uh, and I guess for me then, you know, moving into life as a, as a single young man, that gave me the opportunity to not only work very hard in the job that I had, but it gave me the opportunity then on a Saturday and a Sunday to actually then partake in, you know, the sport that I truly enjoyed, which at the time was rock climbing. Um, you know, I enjoyed canoeing and racing triathlons on a regular basis. But one of the biggest passions for me was just that Peter Pan moment, that euphoric feeling that you get when you fly. And I guess as a as a paragliding pilot, that was, you know, the euphoric feeling that I genuinely wanted to have every single day because, you know, as I said, my dad told me that one day, unfortunately, in the future, you know, our eyes are going to close for good. So I, I genuinely wanted to enjoy life to the max, you know, every single day. And then, and then what happened? Unfortunately, Chris, on the 2nd of May 2009, while I was actually flying over the, the picturesque part of South Wales along the, the Gower Peninsula, which is uh, West Wales, above an amazing, beautiful part of Wales, uh, one of the beaches called Rossilly Beach. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, we'd, been, well, we'd been flying for most of the day, maybe four and a half hours of flight time. And then while I was approximately 40 feet above the top ridge, I turned to actually turn into the the headwind and as I turned my canopy unfortunately collapsed and I didn't know at the time but I'd flown into a crosswind to whereby it's like two airstreams fighting for the same space because below me was a an, almost like a stream gully and the wind which was swirling over the top of the ridge actually then um, you know <laughs> unfortunately proved near fatal to whereby when the canopy collapsed I came down from about 40 feet and luckily landed on my feet because if I'd landed on my backside then the pressure probably would have gone up through my spine into my into my brain and probably killed me instantly. So I was very grateful that all the sport that I had done all my life gave me you know a very very strong pair of legs and a very strong core and I came down probably at 20 miles an hour, hit the floor, feet first, fully conscious at this point and unfortunately, to add insult to injury, the canopy reinflated and dragged me for probably, I don't know, 75, maybe 80 meters at 25 miles an hour. And you can imagine, yeah. it was just an absolute horrendous experience. And being fully conscious made it, made it even worse. So after maybe four or five times of you know, smashing my head on the floor, luckily wearing my helmet, it finally stopped. And I can quite honestly say the feeling of, of this profound pounding was just, it was breathtaking. And I finally stopped tumbling and I'm lying on my back, staring up at the blue sky. And I just, the first thought that came to my mind was, wow, you know, that was really close because I couldn't believe that not only was my eyes, you know, still open, I was actually in no pain, which was quite surreal in itself. And then I tried to sit up. I tried to sit up to unclip my harness and put in, you know, actually pull in the paragliding lines. And for some strange reason, I couldn't get my shoulders off the floor. And I, my first thought was maybe I'm just, you know, maybe my jacket is caught on some gauze or, or some, you know, some, some gauze or grass. And it was quite surreal. And, and then I put my hands by my side 
and then physically tried to push myself off the floor and then realized that I couldn't actually feel my legs and I couldn't get my shoulders off the floor. So when I looked down at both legs and they were actually quite badly twisted, the first thought that came to my mind was, well, maybe by the looks of it, I've maybe broke both my legs. Mm. But I'm still in no pain at this point. And this was the surreal part. This was the surreal part. So immediately I knew that I'd done something quite severe, but just didn't know exactly what I'd done. And lo and behold, one of the uh, one of the paragliding pilots who was actually with us on the day saw me crash, and he he actually put his own life at risk because he came looping down, and he landed probably twenty thirty meters away from me, unclipped his harness, and then ran over you know as fast as he could, and I'm lying on the floor staring at this guy, and I'm blinking because I'm just in complete shock. And his first words to me were oh my gosh, are you still alive? I said, yes, but unfortunately, I cannot feel my legs and I cannot move. So immediately, you know, this gentleman just went into automatic, you know, sort of medical mode and he, he radioed for the, the Wales Air Ambulance, which luckily were, were only maybe 10 or 15 minutes away and, you know, they came very quick. So for me... They say life begins at 40, Chris, you know, and it certainly did for me. Yeah, incredible. And, and you've, been a fit, you've been a very fit guy. You, you had this um, serious, very, very serious injury. And, you know, how long did it take you to kind of recover so you could, you know, walk again and then start thinking about Olympics and getting uh, amazing visions for the future? Yes, well, like I said, you know, my dream, my childhood dream, um, ever since I was probably 10 years of age, was to maybe, just maybe one day be an Olympic champion, as we, as, as most people do when they're a young lad. And, and for me, I spent um, just over three months in hospital, completely paralyzed. And maybe, ashamedly, I can admit now that there were days towards the end of that three-month period to whereby... There was lots of tears shed, you know, lots of animosity, lots of anger around, um, you know, what had happened to me. However, I guess as a mature adult, I could actually accept quite quickly that I couldn't change it. So I needed to move on. And whatever my life was going to be now, whether it was in hospital or in a bed or a wheelchair, then I had to make the most of it. And then luckily after almost three and a half months of being completely paralyzed, the hospital that I was in actually uh, hoisted me out of bed and placed me into a wheelchair with a chest brace to take me to the gymnasium to stand me up with a, a walking frame just to identify which muscles were working and which muscles weren't working. And while in hospital, this was probably after five months now of, of learning to walk again, um, they actually sat me onto a, a static cycling bike, an indoor bike, just to see if, if my quads and my hip flexors were still firing. And thankfully, they actually were. So my disability now has, has left me with lower leg paralysis. So I have drop foot in both feet, so I don't have any push or pull in both feet, no hamstrings firing and no glutes firing. So all my drive and power when I was cycling was actually just from my quads and my hip flexors. So after spending six, you know, almost six months in hospital, 
when I actually left hospital, I found that my friends and my dad at the time were, were actually helping me to, to place me onto a normal road cycling bike, which meant that I could actually turn the pedals, albeit with special ankle supports, which meant that every time that I stepped onto that bike and I could cycle normally, I didn't feel disabled. You know, it was quite a euphoric feeling, quite an emotional feeling that for the first time in almost, well, this was probably nine months after my accident that I didn't feel disabled. So the first thing I focused on was to focus on what I could do rather than what I couldn't do, which was walking, you know, running, skipping, rock climbing. Obviously, I couldn't do any more of those activities. And that's when one day we were actually taking part in a charity cycle ride for the Wales Air Ambulance, who obviously treated me. And one of the guys said to me, just in open conversation, you know, what's wrong with your legs and, you know, what's happened to you? So I told him about my accident. And he said to me, are you training for the London Paralympic Games? I said, uh, no. I said, why do you ask? He said, because I think you should. I said, why do you say that? He said, because I'm a doctor, a chiropractic doctor. And I see athletes every day in my clinic. And I've never seen anybody with so much power and endurance and such a big engine, you know, with, with such a severe disability. And it was the 10th of June, 2010, Chris, that the light, bulb, the light bulb moment went off in my head. And I just thought to myself, maybe, just maybe, if I can get myself as fit and as strong and possibly as healthy as what I was before my accident, I wonder if I could make it to the London Paralympic Games, which was August 2012. So that's when the dream, literally, the dream light bulb actually went off, Chris. Wow, well, uh, <clears throat> with that incredible story, it seems like um, an opportune moment to have our first commercial break. And after the break, we shall be back talking with Mark about, you know, some of the lessons that he had and, you know, how we think these lessons can help other people overcoming challenges and obstacles. So we shall be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Mark Colburn, uh, World and Paralympic Cycling Champion. And Mark, before the break, you were just telling us this incredible story about you know, your experience of, of, of getting injured. And I just wonder through that through that process, uh, and then you know, subsequently getting onto a bike, what did you learn about yourself during that really challenging period? I think what I learned about myself was, uh, you know, the words of my dad that if you have a dream in life, never give up, because unfortunately, one day in the near future, your eyes are actually going to close for good. So the important part of life is what you do today. You can only plan for the future and learn from the past. And that was that was just my dream. My dream was one day, maybe, just maybe, I could possibly make it to the London 2012 Paralympic Games. So that's when I set set myself a goal. My first thing, you know, that I had to do, my first objective was to lose lots of weight because I was nearly 95 kilograms at the time. And I achieved that within 12 months. Um, my choice, I didn't go back to work because physically and mentally, I just wasn't ready for the, the busy, you know, corporate world that I came from. And then one year after that, I was very lucky to be selected by the, the British cycling, paracycling team to whereby they gave me an opportunity to actually race against other C1 category riders over five races over the summer of 2011. I was very, you know, very stubborn to give it absolutely everything. And luckily, I came back with five medals. So immediately then, they offered me the position to go to the World Road Championships in Denmark in September 2011. And I came back with a silver medal from the 10-mile time trial. So British Cycling knew at that point, even 12 months before the London Paralympic Games, that I had potential to possibly medal in one of the three disciplines. So that's when, for me, the, the confidence that I was given from, you know, from, from trying you know, to pursue this dream, you know, confidence breeds confidence. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was a great, a great confidence builder for me. And I just thought to myself, I have to give this everything, you know, whatever compromise I have to give up, you know, which was chocolate, alcohol, no partying, early nights, just to get my rest, that that was hopefully going to get me into the best shape possible to go into London then 12 months later. Yeah. And then you know, one of the things you've uh, it's very clear through this uh, conversation is that you have you know huge respect for your father, but then you know you had you know another tragedy during the the process. I mean, 
are you happy to share a little bit about that and and how you dealt with that? Yes, of course. Unfortunately, my dad uh, was told in September, October 2011 that he had actually contracted stomach cancer, which you can imagine was just a uh, just a bolt out of the blue for us um, as a family. Um, something we certainly didn't see coming because my dad, even though he was 74, he'd been really healthy all his life. So for us to have that tragic bad news, the first thing I thought of, well, you know, maybe they can operate and, you know, go through a rehabilitation process. But unfortunately, dad's cancer was uh, was actually too far gone. It was an aggressive tumor. And unfortunately, they couldn't operate because the cancer had actually gone into his lungs and his kidneys. So the first question, you know, for us as a family was, well, you know, how, how long? You know, which is the, the inevitable question everyone asks. And we were told six months at the time. And then literally through the Christmas period, you can imagine, was just the toughest Christmas ever for us as a family. And then as a professional athlete with British Cycling, I was selected to go and represent Great Britain in the World Track Championships in Carston in Los Angeles. And this was just another, you know, another dream of mine to represent Great Britain on the track, which was probably my, my stronger discipline. And then almost one week before we travelled um, out to Los Angeles, um, I received a phone call from my mother to say, can you come home? Because um, unfortunately, dad is, you know, he's in a bad way. And he had jaundice at this point, which is, you know, uh, just a horrible thing to see. And uh, I went home to see my dad and obviously explained my feelings that, you know, I loved him and missed him. Um, and I viewed my opinion to say, look, you know, I, I'm seriously thinking about not going to Los Angeles. And my dad turned to me and he said, you will go. You will go and you will win that gold medal for me because this, this is your dream. This is what you wanted to do ever since you was a child, you know. So don't let life um, stand in your way of of achieving your dream. So the next day, you know, I picked myself up after leaving dad and, you know, expressed how much I loved him and, you know, I cared for him and I wanted him to be there when I came home in, you know, in 10 days time. So we flew to Los Angeles and then we had four or five days of training. And then on the 9th of February, 2012, unfortunately, I received, you know, the inevitable phone call from my mother to say that uh, my dad had actually passed away that morning in his sleep, which for me was a blessing you know, that he could actually just pass away in no pain and discomfort. So then the next day, how I dragged myself out of the gutter, you know, with this emotional feeling of, of hatred and anger about life, was to then race in the World Championships and actually win my very first World Championship gold medal. And it, it was a great feeling, and I'm not saying it wasn't, but, you know, in my heart and my mind, I just wanted to be back home with my mother, you know, just to help and support her. So then after, you know, returning from Los Angeles to attend my dad's funeral, that was then, you know, the, the decision maker on whether I should just give up and retire or just carry on. And my mother's words to me were, you know, well, what would your dad want you to do? And I said, well, yeah, he'd probably want me to carry on, wouldn't he, you know, and train and race ready for the, the games in September. So she said, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to carry on and I'm going to give it my best shot. And then literally seven months later, after, a, you know, a few more World Cup races across Europe with British Cycling, 
I finally arrived at the London 2012 Paralympic Games, which was, you know, an amazing privilege to be selected for my country and race for Paralympics GB. And then I just thought, well, you know, there's no going back now. I've got to give this, you know, 100% because it, there's always that fear of failure, you know, that you haven't done enough. But I was lucky with British Cycling and Paralympics GB that they got me into the best shape possible going into the Games. And then I just had so much confidence, you know, to go there and obviously win two silvers, which was a great privilege and a great honour. And certainly win the very first medal for Paralympics GB at the home games. But then for me, I guess the the biggest triumph really was, you know, breaking the world record in my event that morning um, on uh, on Friday the 31st of August. And then four hours later, racing in the final against a, a young gentleman who was 18 years younger than me. So I was, I was, I was quite apprehensive, Chris. I must admit, thinking this this young lad from China is probably going to catch catch me after five or six laps and pass me, you know. But me being me, I gave it a hundred percent, and uh, lo and behold, um, I won the race um, and actually broke my own world record, you know, in doing so, which was just an incredible feat of uh, of physical endurance, I guess, you know. How do you think um, you know, your message, your, your, your experience here uh, can help business people? I think uh, sport is very similar to business. Having worked in you know, the corporate world myself for a number of years, um, you have to have a plan, you have to have an end goal, but you also know in your heart that you have to accept challenges sometimes unforeseen challenges and it's difficult to have a contingency plan or a plan b however as long as you keep remembering in your mind that you have to give it a hundred percent and look at possibly the marginal gains in you know in everything you do every policy every procedure you know every meeting to try and get the absolute best out of everything you do and just don't let any stone you know be unturned and and just look at the compromise that you have to give up in life to achieve great things. In my case, you know, moving away from home, from my family, um, you know, giving up, you know, the, the the unhealthy treats that, you know, we, we love in life, which was chocolate and alcohol and, you know, parties and nightclubs, because that, you know, I was living life to the full. But I had to give all of those up, you know, for that period of time just to achieve, you know, a, a lifetime ambition. So for me, it is just learning about the compromise and accepting the compromise, most definitely. I think there's also a, you know, a message in there, as I said to you in the break, you know, I, I was surprised when you said you were born in 1969, you're actually just a, a year younger than me. I was thinking you must be 10 years younger to, to have uh, competed at that level and won a gold and two, sil- two silvers in the Paralympics. And you know, there you are in your, you know, in your early 40s racing someone who's in there early 20s yes yes the young gentleman from china yang zi was 24 you know so he was 18 years younger than me however you know by having a great diet you know obviously i trained very hard but no harder than anybody else and i guess having great health you know flowing through your flowing through your veins every single day to aid and repair your body at the cellular level you know with lots of phytonutrients and antioxidants you know, which is the, you know, the, the great God-given food that we have, then you just let nature do what it does best, you know. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and um, what um, what do you think of the, is the mindset that you need to really adopt to overcome big challenges and obstacles? Because it does seem that there are great parallels with business and you would and your father there talking about your vision and you, you gave everything up to it. You got yourself in, in great shape. Um, what are the key, key principles from your perspective? I think the first thing is, is knowing how to train the brain. You know, to train the body physically is, is an easy thing to do because you just repeat the process. However, when you have to train your brain in certain circumstances of, of unexpected change, it's almost the fight or flight syndrome, you know. How, how do you actually control that when something happens that you could have never pre-planned? And I think for me personally, that's, that's understanding your own ability in business, in life. And everything that you do, or certainly everything that I do, it, it's based upon that 100% commitment. Because think of this, is it okay to finish second in anything you do? Well, actually, yes, because you have to understand and accept that your ability is what it is. If you give that effort or that job or that training or that race 100% and you finish second, you have to hold your hands up and say, well, I couldn't have given any more because 101% unfortunately doesn't exist. However, if you give life, sport, relationship, work, business, only 99% and you fail, then unfortunately you have to live with that disappointment for the rest of your life, knowing in your heart and in your mind that you didn't give that, that particular time of your life everything that you could have. And I think for me, that's definitely the mindset that I've, uh, that I've had since I was a young child and obviously it's done me quite well. Absolutely. You describe that commitment there, not going out, you know, not, not drinking alcohol, not eating chocolate. Um, so those are kind of small things, but they're habits that are quite hard to break, aren't they? Um, and if, you, if you're really committed to achieving something big, it, you've got to, and being the best in the world in your example, you've got to be prepared to make some, uh, some changes. Yes, very much so. And you can be world-class at anything, Chris. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be sport, um, you know, or in some cases business. You know, you can be world-class in your relationships. You know, if you think of an athlete training for a, you know, for a sporting event, then my message then is, you know, to, to people all around the world, if you work as hard at your relationships as what you do at your job or in your training, then technically you should be the best, you know, husband, wife, partner, you know, in the world. So it's a case of, of you know, of of giving it your best shot every single time, you know. Yeah, you, you talked about as well about are you on about developing a process and a plan to achieve your ambitions. I mean, have you got any lessons on that and lessons on, for example, when you might choose to adjust it to improve your results? Yes, I think for most people in life, most people have a dream, you know, of of something that they would genuinely love to achieve, and. Each dream, as far as I'm concerned, yes, you have to have a process and a plan in place, but you have to have a time scale that that dream or that passion can actually be achievable. In other words, if you want to achieve something great, say, for instance, I don't know, climb Mount Everest, for instance, like we spoke about your gentleman friend earlier on, then that's not going to happen overnight. 
So you have to give yourself a time structure in the future, maybe 18 months, two years down the line, and then actually work backwards. So you work backwards on your plan, and then you work, obviously, annually on your plan, then monthly, daily, and actually, in my case, you know, even an, an hourly plan of when I was feeding, when I was training, when I was sleeping, when I was resting, because obviously resting, in my case, is horizontal time. Resting isn't going down the local cafe and having a cup of coffee with your friends, because physically you're not resting. You're actually on the move, so you're burning calories. So for me, I would just advise people to have a plan in the future and then work backwards. But always remember that life can actually throw some curveballs at you and just be prepared for them. Yeah. And if, you, if you're trying to achieve something big, it's pretty unusual that you don't get a curveball or two. Well, sometimes in life you do, you know. Um, for me, I suppose the, the loss of my dad um, was something that certainly, you know, we, we never expected as a family. And for me as an individual, it was it was dealing with, I suppose, um, a time in my life that I had no control over. Obviously, I couldn't, I didn't have any control over my, my dad and his illness and certainly not losing my dad, you know, and, and watching him pass away. However, I couldn't change it. You know, yes, I was upset and angry and, and frustrated and very emotionally, you know, I was very low as a, as a person. However, I had to accept it. And the quicker I accepted it, then the faster then I could move on and the quicker I could move on to then start the process of, you know, of, of staying on the road of that plan that we had then for the London Games. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of minutes before we go to commercial break now. And then one thing you said to me uh, when we talked before, before this interview is about leading a fuller life today rather than daydreaming about doing more tomorrow. It was an important concept for you. Do you want to just quickly share your thoughts? We've got about a minute left. Yeah, certainly. You know, as I said earlier on, we can only plan for the future and learn from the past. And and you can only do so much in your life every day. You know, there's only the 24 hours in the day for us to enjoy. So so in, in my case, you know, you have to have that work-life balance and you have to enjoy the journey. You know, it's not worth getting to the end of the rainbow and not appreciating or enjoying the journey, you know, to actually get this. So, so yes, you know, live every day as you last because one day it actually will be. Well, on that note, we'll go to commercial break again, and, and after the break, we'll, we'll explore things like um, how mentoring and coaching helps in sport and in business, and uh, so we'll be, and also um, we'll talk a little bit more about health. So we're we'll back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be? Or are you feeling drained and unfocused? 
Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Mark Holborn, MBE. Uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, to me when we were planning for this show that uh, you'd had you know, people in your, in your career who'd really inspired you. And one of those you mentioned, a gentleman called Keith Evans of Panasonic Europe. Um, what, is, um, what did you learn from him and, and how do you view kind of mentoring in, in sports uh, and also its role in business? Yes, I think, um, you know, for me, certainly over the last uh, four and a half, five years, you know, there, there's been some incredible inspirational people who I guess have, have sort of came, come into my life and I've been very lucky and very fortunate to have met these people along the way. And I think, you know, the the people that that has touched my heart, you know, first of all, first and foremost is my dad, you know, um, who was a great inspiration for me. Um, the gentleman that I met after my accident from Disability Sport Wales is a, an, an incredible mentor and a very close friend of mine called Neil Smith. And uh, and then, you know, into British Cycling, my coach, Tom Stanton, who, you know, was, a, same again, a great mentor and a great friend um, for me as, as, as my coach. And I guess meeting um, Keith Evans, who was the managing director of Panasonic Europe, um, the, the first time I actually met Keith um, was actually when I was stood on the podium receiving my gold medal after winning, you know, the London 2012 Paralympic three-kilometer pursuit. And Keith um, obviously was representing Panasonic because they were one of the sponsors of the Games. And Keith shook my hand and gave me the posy of flowers that you receive after you've received your medal. And, uh, and this gentleman spoke to me, and I couldn't believe that he actually had a Welsh accent and lo and behold, he was actually born and bred in Swansea, which is probably 25 miles away from where I live. And then meeting up with Keith after the Games and then deciding, you know, in uh, 2013 to retire from, you know, international Paralympic sport. And Keith just became an, an incredible mentor and a, and a great support network for me because this gentleman who has just retired himself after 30 years of being with Panasonic is now giving me, I guess, the, the advice and the help that I need to move forward in my life, you know, now as an entrepreneur and a professional speaker, to give me the, the golden nuggets, you know, the pearls of wisdom from business um, as, a, you know, as a, a true patriotic Welshman, I guess. So I'm very lucky to have, you know, these people in my life and uh, I'm very grateful and very appreciative of them. I'm just, just interested, you know, how, how has your life changed since achieving this, uh, you've got to achieve something quite considerable. You're into a new phase, partly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's obviously a new challenge for me. Um, you know, certainly now as a professional speaker, 
um, as a, an international speaker on my experiences, my life, you know, the marginal gains experience that I've had through my sport and how I can, you know, bring and transfer that into the business sector to help people, to motivate people, to inspire people. Um, I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that case. But yes, my, my life has now changed back to another challenge. You know, I'm part of a nutritional company, which was the supplement, you know, that I've been taking now for, well, just over three and a half years, which I can honestly say, hand on heart, completely changed my life and my health, you know, which is the, the amazing supplement uh, product, Juice Plus. And I never thought for one moment, Chris, that this amazing God-given product which is just juiced fruits and vegetables in its dried, concentrated format, can actually change your health into almost a, a euphoric feeling. And as you said earlier on, you know, I'm 44, but, you know, I have the biological age of probably a 20-year-old, you know. So, so working closely with Juice Plus and obviously being, you know, a franchise partner in the business, I genuinely want to help people, you know, not for monetary gains, because I get much, much more out of seeing, you know, people regain back their health after maybe, you know, unfortunately eating, you know, junk food and processed food all their life. And, uh, and for me, you know, that's a, a life-changing experience that, you know, you just can't buy. And how does something like that work? I mean, uh, give me as an example, my wife's a vegetarian. We eat predominantly, you know, fruit, vegetables and fish, really, in, in our household. Um, how can a product like that which you say is, is sort of dried fruit and vegetable, maybe help in my instance, um, is, is there additional value for someone like me or is it really for somebody who you, you mentioned there is maybe it spends a lot of time eating burgers and fast food? Yeah, well, if you understand as a living organism what your body needs every single day, you know, it, it needs phytonutrients and antioxidants, but what it also needs is the concentrated raw ripe and that's the most important part is the raw ripe whole food nutrition that obviously is within the juice plus supplements the difference being is unless you have your own allotment in your garden you're not having ripe raw whole food nutrition because the food that you obviously purchase from the supermarkets may be anything up to three months six months maybe even 12 months old so it's certainly not ripe and raw whole food nutrition and Juice Plus as a company, you know, they've got an amazing process to whereby they juice the fruits and vegetables, extract the water, you know, the sugar and, and a large percentage of the fiber. So what you get every day is the ripe, raw, whole food phytonutrients and antioxidants that your blood cells need, you know, for repair and, and certainly, you know, to improve your immune system and, and so on and so forth. But the important thing to remember is the free radical damage that we unfortunately as human beings get bombarded with every single day in society from ultraviolet rays, you know, to microwaves, to carbon monoxide, polluted water, and the list goes on and on and on. Unfortunately, you know, not, not that we want to get into the subject, but we do live in a polluted or on a polluted planet, unfortunately. So the benefits to taking Juice Plus is that you get that real ripe, you know, raw whole food nutrition, you know, into your bloodstream you know, every, you know, every single day. Is that something you use as a supplement or is it something uh, <clears throat> in addition to meals or is it something that you eat as part of your meals? Um, no, it's actually an additive more than a supplement because, yes, you still have to have three or four small meals every day, um, obviously depending on if you're vegetarian or vegan or whatever. Um, but 
it's the equivalent of having, you know, the essence of 26 ripe, raw fruits and vegetables and berries in your diet, you know, every single day. And you wouldn't get that amount of nutrition, you know, even if you had to purchase it. Um, probably most people couldn't afford to purchase that amount of nutrition. And you certainly would struggle to eat, you know, the equivalent of two and a half kilograms of fruits and vegetables and berries every single day. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> so, sounds absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And... Um, I mean, do you have any, besides this Juice Plus, do you have any other advice to people who are, you know, wanting to look after their health and improve? I think the most important thing is, is obviously bottled or filtered water, you know, as a, I suppose, as a live organism, you know, that, that you know, we, we're actually omitting heat 24 hours a day. So we need to replace the fluid that we lose through our skin, you know, because the skin is the largest organ in the body. So you need to keep hydrated, you know, maybe, I don't know, 1.5, maybe 2 litres every day just to replace the fluid, um, you know, to help with, you know, the, the whole engine of your body and how it works. You know, that, that's, your, that's your fuel, you know. So, yeah, you know, certainly a good diet, healthy diet, and certainly lots of, uh, lots of fluid. And a bit of exercise, I guess. Yes, if if you're lucky enough, you can throw in maybe 20 or 30 minutes worth of exercise, maybe two or three times a week, just to increase the heart rate, which then helps with your cardiovascular system and certainly your dietary and um, your your system to obviously get rid of the waste then, you know. So, so yeah, if you can, go for it. A little, little tool that I found very helpful, I wear something, I come across it, an upper jawbone band on my wrist. And it, it measures uh, the number of steps I take. So it's recommended at my age I should do over 10,000 in a day. And then also it um, identifies how much sleep I get at night, uh, which should be ideally suggests about eight hours. Um, I was four short of that. And then you can put in sort of calorie details and stuff into it. It goes into an app. It's all downloads into an app on an iPad. Sure. But, but for me, that's been incredibly helpful because it's it's made me i set myself a little challenge to have at least ten thousand steps it's a simple thing but it uh i do feel better as a consequence for doing it and i've, I've lost weight and what have you and the other thing that i hadn't really thought about was something you mentioned earlier was i was cutting my sleep short all the time so just just endeavoring to increase my sleep a bit more leaves me with a bit more energy during the day brilliant uh, so it's a neat neat little gadget um, what are your thoughts about uh, about being realistic about your own abilities and limitations? Because uh, sometimes I guess people are realistic and maybe underestimate what they can achieve. And then there's somebody like yourself who at 40 decides to, to try and become an Olympian. Yeah, I think it's just knowing your ability. But, but don't be afraid to take yourself out of the comfort zone and take yourself into the stretch zone, you know, um, maybe once or twice a week and just, you know, help with your confidence level. And then... Maybe when you're confident enough, take yourself from the, the stretch zone into the panic zone because that's when you start to, um, I suppose, really test yourself as a person and test your skill set or your ability because then if it doesn't happen for you, then you can always take yourself back into the comfort zone again, you know. So you have to, you have to try these things to know your own ability um, and the same in business. You know, you have to know your goals and you have to have a plan, follow the plan, because sometimes those challenges can throw you off, you know, off the pathway. But always bring yourself back on because that's what gives you certainty in life, you know. Mm. We, we had the, 
had the the world ultra marathon record holder on this show, Andy McMenemy, and you know he he was fascinating in that you know, to run sixty four back to back ultra marathons, it just doesn't seem you know doesn't seem comprehensible. Uh, but actually, by setting that goal, uh, of what to most people would seem probably unrealistic, uh, he um, and, and following it through and putting setting the whole thing up so he had to follow through, you know, he achieved something which was uh, you couldn't even train for because no one had ever done it before. Yeah, yeah, it's the same as, um, you know, Sir Roger Bannister. Nobody thought the four-minute mile was possible, you know, and when, he, and when he broke the four-minute mile, I think that year, the following year, 12 people went out and broke it. Yeah. So in my case, you know, no C1 rider had ever gone under four minutes on the track for the three-kilometre pursuit. And yet, you know, I, I went seven seconds faster. So it just comes to show that it can be done, you know. We're getting close to the close, but, you know, you should, should share with us, what, is it, what does it feel like? Because few of us will experience this to win world championships and then go and win a gold medal and silver medals at a, at a Paralympics. Yes, I think for me, as I said, it was a, um, a process over two and a half years. So giving up my, my normal life, should I say, for two and a half years to a tree, you know, to aim towards and achieve this one dream. And the only way I can explain it physically, we've all been, you know, we've all had birthday parties and, you know, maybe, I don't know, bank holidays and Christmas. And I think it's, it's all those feelings, that euphoric feeling of relief and excitement, you know, all rolled into one to proudly stand here today you know, as a world champion in my sport, so the number one in my sport, and then to look at my Paralympic gold medal, to then think, well, wow, you know, I'm actually part of a, a, hist- a history of Olympiads, you know, Olympians, plus to be a world record holder is an incredible feat. But to break my own world record, that just makes me feel even better than myself, which is quite, quite, quite a strange feeling, really, you know. So just a euphoric feeling, Chris, you know, it really is. Fantastic. We've got about a minute, a minute left uh, before I just need to quickly wrap up. But uh, just finally, what key messages would you like to leave us with? I think the, there's a few key messages um, for me as an individual. As I've said, you know, the, the conversation of life, Unfortunately, it's quite a sore subject. It's quite a taboo subject. But one day, you know, everybody on the planet, you know, we're, we're all gonna, we're all gonna move on to, um, you know, to the, the the other side. So, you know, please, you know, live life to the full now, and whatever dream you have in life, you know, just have a plan, put a process in place, have a good team around you, and never give up. You know, just never give up. Wonderful, Mark. You spent an absolute pleasure to talk with you and hear your incredible story and uh, see what you you know from that what you what you managed to achieve i think that's a you know an inspiration to for many many people um so thank you very much hope you've enjoyed being on the show today yes very much so chris thank you very much and like i say the the website's there for people to see my story it's uh, it's markcolborn.com and if people who are listening to this show if they do want to get in touch Obviously, Twitter, which is a great uh, social media vehicle. You know, um, my Twitter is at Mark Colborn, and I'd love to hear from people in the future if, obviously, my messages have actually helped other people to uh, to inspire and uh, and help them to achieve their dreams. Because in my book, the best dreams happen when you're awake. 
Wonderful. Mark, thank you very much indeed. And I just need to, final thing to say is we, we also have another incredible person on next week's show. We have Marshall Thurber, who's going to talk about global convergence and about you know, how, uh, how the world is, uh, is, is moving towards um, what greater cooperation and, and the benefits of, of it and what it can mean to business people. Marshall is, I think, a bit of a legend. Um, he's, he's American. He's mentored all of the top kind of self-development experts. I've come across Tony Robbins and Jack and Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and T. Harv Eker. Uh, and he's done an incredible um, a range, sort of range of, um, you know, speaking and books and, um, but, uh, you know, and has an amazing CV. So I think he's going to be a fascinating person to, to speak to next week. So do check in. And once again, thank you very much to Mark Corbin. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.